On today's show, KB and I have for you nothing. We're going to essentially, I don't know, what would you say, like uh, improv a little bit, KB? Improv. Yeah, we're going to improv. On this show, we're going to improv. We do have a final countdown. Um, KB and I are both going to rank our top five favorite TV shows that are no longer on the air. But other than that, we're going to just have some conversation. Let's introduce ourselves to our audience. Let's see. What what did we grow up on that? What did we geek out, geek out about when we were kids, when we were growing up, when our adolescence, young adulthood, all the way till now when we're old dudes, all of that and much, much more. And we're going to call this the spitball version of Free Your Geek. Get your geek on. By the power of Grayskull. Me llamo T-Bone, la araña discoteca Discoteca, muñeca, la biblioteca Es el bigote grande, pero manteca Manteca, bigote, gigante, pequeño Cabeza es nieve, cerveza es bueno Buenos días, me gustas papas frías Bigote de la cabra, es camarón Díaz Yeah, boy, boy Yeah What? It's 2009 Word Give me some more time And welcome to the next episode of Free Your Geek. I think this is episode 10. Yeah. 10. 10 already. 10 times. I don't know what that means. <laughs> What's up, everyone? Uh, I think I'm kind of loud, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring my voice down a little bit. It's Be smooth. It's like smooth. a jazz. Hey, how's it going, folks? Uh, yeah. Barry White on. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> this is Jay Free. Uh, he is KB. Say hi. What's up? What's up? That's not high, but okay. KB, this is a very interesting episode. Yes, it is. Uh, you and I, uh, professionally, have uh, a lot going on in our mm-hmm. real jobs. Yep. This is done for fun. We don't get paid for this, so no. uh, it's kind of fun, though. It's a, it's it's creative. We get yep. to like do show our creative side and Absolutely. have a little bit of fun and and all that stuff. But um, you know, we we have real jobs, and it's getting a little hectic right now for the both yep. of us. So we said, let's not necessarily get into a specific format for this show. Yeah. Let's keep it very, very light. Let's keep it conversational. Let's not worry about doing a bunch of industry news and segments and all that stuff. We still have a final countdown, though. Yep. Yep. Can't wait for that. Yeah, it'll be good. Uh, KB and I are going to be ranking our top five uh, favorite TV shows that are no longer on the air so not you know old tv shows that we kind of either grew up with or that influenced us or that we just really enjoyed from back in the day that's not on currently 
Uh, so uh, it's really a nostalgia type yeah. of episode. We're gonna we and, and the thing I I thought about and, and KB kind of thought about it too, and we we discussed this, but we this is our tenth episode. We. Yep. Our viewers, or I keep saying viewers, you would think after 10 episodes, <laughs> I realized that we don't have viewers. You're still using your hands a lot, too. Yeah. Well, that's okay. I'm talking to you. I'm Italian. I'm Portuguese. It's yeah. what I do. Uh, so, yeah. So, our listeners don't necessarily know who we are. Like, there's there's some that are our friends, obviously. Yep. and But we have other fans, and not only in Massachusetts where we're recording this, but throughout the country. Um, outside the country. Outside the country. And they might not know that much about us. So, yeah. I figured let's... Let's let everyone kind of into our lives a little bit. Who are we? What do we like? How do we, what did we grow up with? Um, I know I mentioned on a couple of podcasts with myself specifically what I was into growing up, but I want to expand on that a little bit. When we say that word nostalgia, it's kind of at the heart of being a geek because I think everybody, all of us as, as geeks, grew up with something that created passion in us. And that, Very true. And that nostalgia of thinking back to those first things that you geeked out about, the first things that got you hooked on a particular whatever it is you like to do, that's what being a geek's all about. So nostalgia is I think is it's where it starts. It's probably very it's a very important part of it. Yeah, things that are nostalgic yeah. are yes. have a very important place it, in your the, heart the, and the, memory. Yeah, the the what do you want to say? The the sentiment of it? The sentimental value. Yeah. Sentimental that's, value. That's not a bad way to look yes. at it. Because again, it's that passion that makes you a geek. Whatever you a geek out for. Like whatever you whatever you decide to to be a geek for, and that, again, geek is a, a negative term, usually yeah. used in society. And it shouldn't be, it, and it shouldn't be. It's whatever you're passionate about. So, we're going to talk about what we were passionate about growing up. What made us quote unquote geeks for certain yep. things, and you know, pretty much for the listeners of the podcast, they know that have listened to previous episodes. It's going to be a lot of superheroes and comic book stuff, obviously, but yeah. there's going to be other things that we're going to talk about. And Jeff too. likes turtles. I do like turtles. I love turtles. Yes, I like turtles. <laughs> are you sure you are you sure that clip wasn't from when you were a kid? Uh, that would be hilarious. <laughs> like if it was um, like literally a Jay Free clip that was found on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. Basically, <laughs> what I did was I found a time machine and I, you know, gave it to my younger self, who then went <laughs> to the future and recorded that once. I was, I don't even know how to get that. That's like all Back to the Future stuff that's yeah. hurting my brain. So KB, let's let's start with you. Let's okay. start with you. Let's let's take us back to when you were a little KB running around. Yep. What were some of the first things that you remember that kind of like hooked you, like passion? Like what did you love? Like what was what was it about? What are you passionate about when you were the, the let's say let's go back six year old KB. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So six, I was. Uh, I'm trying to think of around what year it was when I was six. Yeah. So it was like early eighty, like early to mid 80s okay so transformers and gi joe was like the mainstay of everything like turtles and stuff came out a bit after um but transformers i think was probably one of the first things in voltron voltron was another thing those things were the first things that really uh resonated with me um growing up uh my grandfather had owned an appliance repair business and even from like preschool he would take me with him and he would have me help him like build like or, or fix like washing machines and dryers and stuff so transformers were like just really really that kind of thing of like oh i can not necessarily take something apart and put it back together but transform it in something else and put it back together so it was like kind of like this thing of like this is so interesting this is so i i just had this passion for transforming the toys 
as well as watching the show. But that's that's what you were saying with your grandfather. Yep. You know, appliance repair. Yep. You're you're seeing how things fit into each other exactly. and combine like together. Parts fit together. So something like Voltron or Transformers yes. would be right up your alley. Exactly. So you know, and I, so and then you know, seeing the show, and then that was the first. That was one of the first animated movies that I actually seen in the theater as well. Was the Transformers movie? Okay. So that really hit 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 me. You know, hit home for me. Um, and G.I. Joe was the other big thing. Like, I was a huge Joe fan. Like, I don't talk about it that much because I kind of faded away from Joe, you know, as I get older. But as a kid, God, I had, like, every Joe toy under, you know, you could think of. It's, fun, it's funny you say that because my to speaking of grandparents and G.I. Joe, G.I. Joe is something. Now, I'm a little bit younger than you to the listeners. A yep. uh, couple years. Um, I was born in 1982, so I'm, yeah. I'm 34. Uh I was a big fan of G.I. Joe growing up when I was probably about seven or eight because before school, yep. I used to watch the cartoon. Uh, my grandmother used to take me to Raynham and to the flea market, and like every month we'd go, and every month she would buy me a different vehicle. Yes. And it was amazing. I still have them in my parents' attic, and G.I. Joe was like, I was a huge collector of the toys. I, I didn't probably didn't have as many as you. When I was really collecting G.I. Joe's, it was like when they were doing all like the... They were um, fading a little bit. Yeah, they were doing like, you know, the Echo Joes, the ones that are fi- you know fighting for the economy, and they'd have like the slime changing yeah, colors. Yeah, like when I when I was into it, it was, you know, straight up, you know, Cobra Commander and, and you know, um, Destro and, and, and those characters. Yeah, my time was more like when they were expanding, like they had the whole ninja line, and then yep. they had like, they had Storm Shadow, they had Snake, Snake Eyes, Eyes, but then they had like Nunchuck and, you know, Quick Kick. The G.I. Joe with the Kung Fu grip. Yeah, yeah, but those not, <laughs> but not, not like the the big ones. They were like yeah. the small, but yeah, they were all like ninja specific, ninja themed, and it was like they were going over like they were doing different branding. So ninjas on their own are very, it, it's something that really um, hits geek culture a lot because there's ninjas in all kinds of different formats. I mean, you think about so we went from like Joes to Ninja Turtles to Power Rangers, right? And it's all kind of the ninja fighting kind of thing, you know. It, it, no, I I agree yep. with that. I, I mean, because in any type of like, yeah, type of geekery, pop culture, whatever, you know, ninjas have a a, a, pre- a prevalence. Yeah. I think that's a word. Uh, everywhere, uh, comic books, Daredevil, The Hand, yep. you know, Ninja Turtles, as we we talked about, um, GI Joe. You know, the only thing that really there hasn't been a Ninja Transformer to my knowledge, but there probably has been at some point. Probably the newer generations, but. You know, yeah, pretty much, pretty much anything that involves some type of conflict or physical fighting, yeah. there's going to be ninjas involved at some point. And that was also a thing back then, like growing up with that stuff, where it was a lot of emphasis on violence on TV for children, like in the 80s, 80s and 90s. Oh, well, if kids see that in a cartoon, they might imitate it, or if they see that on a show, they'll imitate it. Which is why GI Joes used lasers, yep, instead of bullets, yeah. Red and blue lasers from Cobra and the Joes. Transformers was the same way. You had like blue lasers for the Autobots. I think it was either purple or red for. I think well, it was red for the Decepticons. So yeah. So yeah, it's just it's kind of. I, I and I understand that, but it's like I don't have to worry about like as a kid. You like what what is seeing a gun? Like maybe the violent aspect of it, but I'm not going to be like, oh, I'm a I'm a kid and I'm going to go get a gun no. because. Honestly, maybe wrestling was more dangerous because it's more of an well, innocent thing. I grew up on wrestling. That's so, my that's so, one so of how, my So how too. many how many wrestling accidents did you have just playing around? Uh, two. Really? Two. And both caused by my father, believe it or not, because <laughs> my father and I when I was a little kid, my dad and I used to watch it yeah. and I tried to wrestle him and then he'd put me in the Boston Crab <laughs> and he would hurt my back because my dad's did, a jerk. Did you have um what were they uh the wrestling buddies? 
I never had the wrestling. I, I had I had the I think I had the warrior. I had awesome. a my buddy. <laughs> I remember my buddy. But then I, I got freaked out by Chucky yeah. and Child's Play and What about what about more of the did you have any of the non pop not, not as popular toys that you can remember that you really liked? Like I have a bunch of them I can remember. Um I can't remember the names of the brands, but yes. So, absolutely. so like uh there used to be this thing called Mask. Whereas like these vehicles, yeah, but I think that's kind of popular still now. But it, not not to the extent of everything else that we see. Um, there was something called Dino Riders. It used to be like these dinosaurs, and they used to have like all this armor on them, and they used to walk around and stuff. And it had a show for a while. Uh, there's another show called Rock Lords. They're like Transformers, but yep, rocks. I remember those. I had yep. some of those. Yep, those are cool. And the uh, second version of the GoBots. The ones that were just never different. collected GoBots. Yep, it, it was like it was almost like the generic Transformers thing. I had like some different ones. I remember having an action figure. They're about the size of the GI Joes. I only had one of them, but they were die cast metal and they were painted. And the name of it was like the Bionic Six. I, I remember that. I don't remember anything about that. I remember having there was a cartoon called James Bond Junior. Yep. I had the action figures from there. I had Swamp Thing action figures, which were awesome. I'd much, much appreciate them now as opposed to then. Uh, what else did that? There were, I can't remember the name of them. I had 18 toys. That's cool, but and, that's also old Rambo. school. Yeah. Well, I had a Rambo lunchbox. When I go back to the violence thing, I was in kindergarten and first grade, and I had a Rambo lunchbox, you know, with a thermos in it. Yeah. Red lunchbox, Rambo carrying an AK-47 <laughs> firing into the air. You want to talk about violence with children. I turned out pretty normal. Normal? Question mark? Uh but yeah, other things I had, I don't remember what they were, but they were like different animal-like toys. They were like probably like a quarter, half an inch to, to an inch tall tops. And there was like different, uh, I remember I had a turtle. It was a black-skinned turtle mm-hmm. with an orange uniform, and he had a green claw. And they each had a decal on them, and you used to rub it, and it, would, it was almost like a, it would show you which allegiance they were, and I think there was like three or four. I need to look that up, because now it's Well, Transformers be... was like that, too. Right, it, but it was like, it was along that same line when Transformers yeah. were blowing up. They were just like, there. I think there was like 60 of these figures, yeah. and they were just like, they, you know, they just had moving arms and legs, and that was it, and they all had like something different. There was like a raccoon with like green body armor, and then there was a turtle, and then there was a bat with a hook for a hand, and there yeah. was a couple of them, and I can't remember... The, the name of the uh, the toys, or the, but I used to love those things, and I had no clue. Yeah. But as you mentioned, uh, growing up... I like turtles. I was super into Ninja <laughs> Turtles. I had, you know, the sewer playset, the Technodrome. I did too. All of that. I had, uh, as you can tell when we do the opening of the show, He-Man. I was a big He-Man yep. fan, Masters of the Universe. I had both uh, Snake Mountain and Castle Grayskull. I, I kind of hate where toys have gone these days. And the fact that not not so much the toys themselves. Well, one you, you do have one problem with the, the kids that you know they they'd rather be on a tablet or a phone or a um, computer or whatever playing video games. And it's like toys toys were good for the imagination. Yeah, you're not imagining the whole thing, but you're imagining the story. You're imagining whatever scenario you're playing in your head. And the second thing I don't like about toys today and where they stand is that collectors have kind of ruined it in some regards. Like, there are certain toys you can't even get. Like, if you go into the store, you will not find because collectors, you know, go there at 8 o'clock in the morning and take them and sell them on eBay. And, well, that's what I'm saying. You need to get on early, dude. Yeah. Go to Amazon, order them from there before yeah. they blow up. But I'm saying for for a kid, for a kid that simply wants oh, a toy, yeah. like, it, it, it kind of sucks. Like, I noticed that with um, 
a lot of the female characters for some reason get scooped up probably because there's just less of them in boxes. Right. And they're going to go yeah. they're going to go for more money. It's, yeah. it's a, you know, it's a greedy marketplace. Yeah, it's ridiculous. So that 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 kind of sucks, you know. The, the the thing I think though um that I I really kind of like, you know, I I think you may be a little I don't want you to misquote you or whatnot, but children have better toys today. But it lets them it, just because technology's changed. Yeah, I think the production has gotten better for most most part. The pricing's gone up because I remember oh, pricing when gone. I was when I no well inflation and whatnot. Yeah. But when I was having you know when I was a kid, I had all the X Men toys. Yep, loved X Men. I'm a huge comic book fan. Obviously, I'm doing this podcast. Uh, but the X Men were like my end all be all when I was like nine to ten years old. Yep, the cartoon was on. The toys were awesome. And they, I used to buy them for five. That's when they blew up because right. before that, you really before the cartoon, well, you didn't hear as much. Yes and no. I mean, the comics were still doing like everything. The Dark yeah. Phoenix saga, all that took place before the cartoon yeah. ever hit. Like all the big storylines already taken. But I mean, like place. with like how Marvel does things with the movies now, like it actually right. taking off to other audiences. Well, because yeah, that was in the time frame, like you know, He Man, Masters of the Universe, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, all of that stuff was yep. all based GI Joe. Those cartoons were designed to sell toys for the most part. Yeah. That's the whole purpose. Now it's, there's been a paradigm shift where now it's shows and things become popular. Then they yeah. make collectibles because the way digital media shows. is today. Right. So um, I had a point here, KB, and you threw me off. What was <laughs> I talking about? Now I'm not sure. Damn it! This is gonna be. A, uh, we're gonna put a, a slight pause here, but we were talking about. Uh, Technology yep. and, and toys, and yeah, just like I think when with the X Men, there we go. I'm back on track now, folks. Okay. I'm back on track. X Men. Now those same figures, like where I used to pay four ninety nine or five ninety nine for them, they're like twenty bucks. They're like yeah, they're like yeah. seventeen ninety nine for the same figures, and I'm yeah. like, what the hell has changed? The technology hasn't changed, but now kids can run around with a moving BB eight in an R two D two droid. Like I would kill for stuff like that <laughs> when I was a kid because that uh, was cool. A, a flying uh, Millennium Falcon. Yeah, like you know, they have ho- the, yeah, the drones air. and hovercrafts, yeah. and stuff. that's like crazy. Like where technology, kids can like use their imagination in different facets. When we were younger and we had toys, technology wasn't where it's at, so we had to be yep. more creative with what we did with those, you know, those action figures and toys and whatnot. It was so, a lot of fun though having the Transformers fight the Ninja Turtles fighting. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. <laughs> Actually, when I used to have all the old WWF plastic action figures. Oh, like, they get in on it too. Well, no, because when I needed more figures that they hadn't put out yet, like yep. other wrestlers, I'd use my Ninja Turtles. I'd use my Batmans, my G.I. Joes. They'd be other wrestlers yep. that I'd have in my ring. So it's it's been kind of <laughs> it's been kind of fun. I used to do some crazy stuff with my action figures as far as like like outside the box ideas. I was very good at taking care of them, too. I was one of those kids. That, I was not. I was one of those kids that would always like had them in boxes and like, you know, just put them away. Like, so um you know, I, I wasn't one of those kids who just threw them around or left them hanging around the house. Right, right. No, um, I was the exact opposite. Do you remember, and you might have been a little bit older at this point, but when the first one, I think it was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, Secret of the Ooze came out. Yeah, see, I mean, I remember that, but I didn't really. But I'm not sure where you were. Too into but, it. Right, I was collecting the toy. like So it was different yeah. than the plastic Ninja Turtles. They had like real, like, not latex, but like rubber, like arms and legs, and it was mm-hmm. a plastic shell and a rubber head, and you could take it off, pop it off, and you know, switch the head, switch the body parts around. I just remember being like, I don't know, 10 years old, not even like nine years old, and I'd take them, 
And I just, because I, they're, they're unbreakable. They're yeah. rubber. I throw them, but it would scuff up all their shell. Yeah. And, the, and, the, and, and then now I like look at them. I'm like, I can't believe I ruined this. I'm, an, I'm a jerk. <laughs> I'm a jerk. I, I ruined my awesome toys. Um, so now if I could go back and do it again now with that time machine that I gave to my younger self, which <laughs> then came the toys, into the future, I'm going to go toys. back and, and, and save those. Um, but the other big thing I was into, and this is not that we have any industry news coming in, but I think this will segue nicely. Video games. Yep. We were really into video games. Now, it was Nintendo Entertainment System was my first platform I game. I thought it was Super Nintendo for you. No, NES. I got it for Christmas, like yep. in 1990. I was eight years old. Oh, so you you got it. Okay. Did you get it like right when it came out? Like, roughly, roughly. It was like probably like the a year Because I think it came in 89 or 80. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know specifically. But yeah, it was like one or two years after. Because I got the Super Mario Brothers with it. Because it Mario actually took a little time for it to catch fire. Because you have to remember, well, not they have to remember. But from that time, I do remember that when it first came out, there was the Rob the Robot version. Where you had Rob the Robot, and you can only play like this one game. Or I no, I didn't have that. Up. I had so Duck so, Hunt So Duck that Hunt was like the Mario year Brothers. before. Yeah. Like that that family enter- when they called it the family entertainment system, that's when it was Duck Hunt and the gun. That, and the, then yeah. that was then that was when I yep. picked it. And up. That's when I got. It I think Christmas. that's when I picked it up too. But I did have friends that had that other system, and I was, remember looking at that robot, being like, "What the hell?" But is did that you ever thing? play like Atari or anything prior to that, or was Nintendo your um, first one too? I played. I I didn't own an, an Atari, but I played it. Like I had some uncles that had it from you know my cousins and stuff like that. So I I played it. I wasn't unfamiliar with video games. But Nintendo was yeah that was the big draw for me as well so because remember cool. I was only like a, like about three years older than you okay so, so you were like ten or eleven yeah. at that point yeah okay. so so that's even more of a time to get into it you know no that's awesome and that yeah. that is what we're segueing into now since Nintendo was both of our first yep. consoles KB you want to uh, hit them with the news yeah so I actually tweeted this today on uh, the Free Your Geek uh, Free Your Geek is on Twitter by the way yep. follow us on Twitter and we'll plug it again but Free Your Geek at Twitter. Absolutely. Um, so Nintendo announced today that they are releasing a mini original Nintendo. I'm um, going to be out, I think they said November 11th or 14th, something like that. I believe, it's, I believe it's the 11th. Yeah, mid-November. Um, it's going to have 30 games included built into the console. Um, it's in high def. I haven't. I don't know if yeah. they've released all the specs. Like They haven't released the specs, but it's going to have an HDMI yep. uh, output. It's going to be sixty bucks, yep. and with, it's going to be thirty games, including I believe Zelda's on the Legend of Zelda. Oh, all, on all of the great games are on it, like Excitebike, Metroid. It, um, even is it te- th- there are some, supposed to be on there. I I don't know. I know the Super Mario Brothers are on there. Mario's well, on there. I think it's one through three that's going to be on there too. Mario, but Super the regular Mario. Mario Brothers is on there as well. Um, Gradius. So they did pick some like more fan favorite kind of games right, that weren't but as more popular. Ni- yeah, but more yeah. Nintendo specific with yep. the Nintendo owned characters as opposed to like yeah, uh, other license other licensed characters. Yeah, like Met- for Metroid, Double Dragon too. Double Dragon's gonna be yeah, I saw that. Yep, that's that's on cool. There. So so that's cool. Um, I I don't know exactly how the whole thing's set up. Like if you can expand on this or, or what. But and it's it's not the same size as the original no, it's, NES. It's, it's like it's, half the size or something. Yeah, it's like, like that. A half or a quarter of the size. It's a it's like a mini. Yeah, because I I doubt it actually has a cartridge. A cartridge no, it's it's all going to be it's, it's all digital. Well, think about where technology has yeah. gone since like the eighties, like the mid well, eighties. Well, the reason why I was saying that is because I know like Nintendo they've been talking with the NX that there was a rumor that they're going back to cartridge, or that might even be official. I haven't read up on. Oh that in a while. wow! Yeah. Why would they go back to cartridge? I don't know, but the 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 rumor happened where I guess there was some uh, circuit boards or something or processors that are being ordered that are specifically used for cartridges. And it, Nintendo, I guess, showed up on some invoices at one of these <coughs> big companies, and you know it got out. And I guess so they they 
they might be using cartridges in the next system. So, so that's interesting because I'm by no means a technical expert. But that's a step back as far but as. But I, I would think, think like storage it. wise on a cartridge, you wouldn't be able to, like, even like when we went from cartridge uh, to like CD and disc well, and then. Think about it, but how big, but think about a micro SD. True. You're right. You're right. You're absolutely right. You know what I mean? Technologies like, again, technologies change everything. And, and Nintendo's the company that will that, that they will um they'll go they'll they'll go out of their way just to do something different sometimes and and test the market. And they've done that time and time again. So it doesn't surprise me. That's very cool. So yeah, that's that's the big news. If we did have like an industry yeah. news thing to share, like not that we want to go too video it, game. It's heavy, exciting because, you know, if you Nostalgia. Yes, nostalgia. Um, if you own like a Wii U right now, you can download all these games for a few bucks a piece. But most people do not own that system. Um, and Nintendo's made tons of money off these games now over the years. Like just with the Wii, the Wii U, they made it all. Oh, now you've upgraded to Wii U, so now we have a, you know, a more graphically appropriate version of the, um, you know, of the of the system. So that's that's actually really really cool. And again, from the nostalgia kick that yeah. we're doing, Nintendo is coming back. I believe November 11th, I yep. believe. Nintendo yeah. is coming back with an HDMI. So it's essentially integrating the technology of today with the nostalgia of the past. No, and you're going to be able to play 30 Nintendo games, original NES games now in HDMI. And I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. It's coming back. Speaking of coming back, we're going to take a break and we'll be back after a word from our sponsors. Are you ready to upgrade your office space or living area for an affordable price? Stop by Pachico's Furniture, where you can expect a delightful shopping experience, all while saving you some of your hard-earned money. Pachico's Furniture specializes in used furniture, antiques, jewelry, electronics, video games, Blu-ray, DVD, musical instruments, and much, much more. Whether buying or selling, we strive on being Fall River's finest second-hand store. Pachico's Furniture is a family-owned and operated business located on 663 Bedford Street, formerly Billy's Cafe, in Fall River, Massachusetts. Come on by, you'll be pleasantly surprised. Up in horsey heaven, here's a thing. You trade your legs for a
Spread your wings and fly. Welcome back to Free Your Geek. KB, how are you? Good, good, good. Good. Are you ready to uh, do some ranking and some listing of things? Ranking and listing. That sounds so geek? That's so geek. So So chic. That sounds weird. Anyway, (laughs) ladies and gentlemen, my favorite segment of the podcast, we call this The Final Countdown. What is it? It's the final countdown. And today, the final countdown. What are our, what's our list about? What's our topics? What are we ranking? KB, why don't you give the audience, give the listening audience, what are we ranking today on the final countdown? So today's final countdown, we are ranking our top five favorite TV shows that are off the air. And we're going to throw in an honorable mention yeah. just because. So technically yeah. six, but the, the honorable mention doesn't fit on our list. So, But top five. So this is could be stuff when we were kids. It could have been stuff three years ago that's no longer on the air. It can be the entire spectrum of that time yep. um, pretty much. So without further ado, KB, you want to kick us off with your honorable mention? I will kick off my honorable mention. And before we even get into this, I want to say, you know what's nice is some of these shows we can catch on Netflix. Which is really cool. So if you're hearing these... Technology. Yes. Nostalgia. (laughs) No more VHS tapes. (laughs) If anybody listening knows what a VHS tape is, that's kind of like... I think our, our audience is more like, you know, yeah. 20-something that's like, VHS? What's, what's, okay, DVD. What's, what's VHS? <laughs> DVD? Like that Blu-ray stuff? I don't know. That's, anyway, so please, any, Anyway, so my first, um, my honorable mention is going to be Californication. So Californication, uh, it was a Showtime show. With Mulder. Yeah, Mulder, David Duchovny. Um, and I always looked at this show as like the male's version of Sex in the City. You have this guy who's just kind of a playboy who gets into all these strange situations, but yet at the heart of everything, you know, he's still trying to start a fa- work with his family and have his daughter like him and get back with his ex. And, and it's just, it, it has, it has a lot of the, the, the funniness and, and it's just, like I said, it feels like the male version of that show because it has all the crudeness um, and it kind of has kind of a lot of the whole bro code thing, bro code thing a little bit going on. Um, so yeah, so I just thought that was a really good show. Things like five or six seasons. Um, and you can see that on, on Netflix, but, uh, if you haven't, you know, check that out because it, it was a good show. It's a really good show. So I have to ask, um, you've seen the movie Taken. Yep. Maggie Grace, who plays Kim mm-hmm. in Taken, is she on, was she, did she do a thing on Californication for a couple episodes? I think I think she remember. did. I'm pretty sure because that's a nice segue to my honorable mention. My favorite show of all time isn't even on my list. Okay, <laughs> this is my favorite show of all time. And yeah, the you have to explain this. You're talking to the, me about this. the reason it's not on my list is because I think, and I'm gonna have some naysayers that know the show and either they love the ending, they hate the ending, but 
my point is with this is that the series concluded. I couldn't think of them continuing on past their season based on the storylines that they were telling. So my honorable mention is Lost. So I think they wrapped the show up nice, not nicely. Some people are going to argue back and forth. I like the ending personally. I, I can understand people that don't, and that's cool. Other people, I was reading an article actually today that said, like, you know, oh, they were in purgatory the whole time. No, dumbass. They were never in purgatory. You need to pay attention. And it was a show that you had to pay attention. You'd meet, like, secondary characters and tertiary characters that would have important parts to the story. It's not a show that you could just, you know, click on and after missing four or five episodes and be right caught up. It doesn't work that way, dude. Uh, it's a very much a serialized show that you'd have to follow episode to episode, and I loved the storytelling and the arcing and the character development. Yeah, it, in it, that it show. was it was a show I remember talking to when, talk, when I was talking to some people about it, or you know, because I did watch it too. I didn't watch it, you know, as faithfully as you did, so I caught up on all of it on Netflix, and I just like the show could be confusing at times for people. Like if you missed an episode. Sometimes you're like, well, what the hell's happening? But that's what the, going back yep. to that whole geek thing yep. about what they're passionate. Like, I was hardcore into yep. Lost, reading blogs, watching, you know, weekly, and yeah. then, you know, oh, what's going on? What are some of the theories? And yes. catching up on that. And you're, just, you're reading all the theories and everything. It was insider crazy. Insider notes. And Maggie Grace was on the first few seasons of Lost, which yep. I believe she was also in Californication. Um, but I could be wrong on that. But yeah, yeah Lost, Lost is my honorable mention. I just think what they did was groundbreaking yes, was she, yes she was 10 episodes there you go see i, I kind of know what i'm talking about even though i never watched californication so there you go um but yeah lost was just to me a great show about characters character development the, through the flashbacks it was groundbreaking the pilot of lost was i think at the time i'm not sure if it's still the same but it was one of the most it was like had the budget of like a, a movie type of yeah. thing it was like who, the highest who, who in your opinion is the biggest star to come out of that show now? Yeah, like after that show. I'd say it's a toss-up. Uh, well, there's a like people are still doing shows, but I think uh, Evangeline Lilly. Okay. Uh, Kate, because she was in The Hobbit. Yeah. She was in yeah. Ant-Man. She's going to be in the, the Wasp in the next Ant-Man yeah. movie. I think she was the biggest, but also uh, Michael Emerson, who played Benjamin Linus. He was on another show that lasted a number of seasons, Person of Interest. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think... Uh, there's been a couple of other actors. Uh, Nestor Carbonell, yeah. who played Richard Alpert, was in the Dark Knight movies. But, but Lily's the one that really. Evangeline Lily, I think, the, is is the one. Unless career I'm, out of it, yeah. Ian Summerholder, who played Boone, was doing Supernatural. Yeah. I think Supernatural for a while, so, or no, Vampire Diaries, yeah. not Supernatural. Um, Vampire Diaries. So, I mean, they've, there's been other. Like, I, it just surprises me, just because that show had such a talented cast. It did, but I mean, you also have to consider that some of the cast was already popular from other shows. Like yeah. they brought in, uh, I can't think of Do- Michelle Dominic, Rodriguez for a while. Michelle, Michelle Rodriguez, yeah. uh, Dominic Monaghan, who uh, played one of the hobbits uh, in the Lord of the Rings trilogy, yeah. and then this was his next thing. And he did a couple other things. He's got a reality show now and stuff, but. Yeah. Um, you know, I can't think of the actor's name, and I'm going to be raked across the coals for this, but the guy that played Desmond mm. is on the 100 now on the CW. Uh, so there's a couple of good good like people that have still come out of Lost and, and done more shows. But to me, I mean, um, and I'm not sure if you know this, Michael Keaton was actually supposed to play Jack really? uh, in the pilot, and they were going to kill off Jack. 
And the whole idea was they were going to follow this guy around. You were going to get behind him, and then they were going to kill him off at the end of the pilot, saying anything can happen on this <laughs> island. And the network execs, I believe, said you can't do that. You can't have the audience get invested in somebody and then kill them off right away because it's going to make them not trust you. So they changed it around a little bit. And where Kate was supposed to become like the leader and the, and the yep. person that everybody turns to, they kept Jack around, recasted it as Matthew Fox, and then he became the de facto leader of the show. Anyway, that's a lot about Lost. I'm going to talk about it in another episode because I can talk about this all day. But in the interest of time, let's go to number five on our final countdown. KB, what is your number five? My number five is Weeds. Um, So Weeds was, and everybody's familiar right now because Orange is the New Black is like kind of the hot thing on Netflix right now. A lot of people are familiar with that show. Um, So it's the same writer. Um, who wrote Weeds, who basically is responsible for, you know, Orange is the New Black. Um, so th- this show, to me, was um, very, it was different. It was comedy and drama just built into one. Um, the story is about basically like a close-to-middle-aged housewife who has a few kids, um, and one day the husband gets hit by a car, and he not, not hit by a car, he, he has a heart attack while, while they're jogging with one of his sons. Um, and to support her family, they live in this little suburban community. And um, it's one of those, you know, those prefab communities where every house looks the same. Everybody drives the same car. It's, it's a gated kind of thing. Um, and so to make ends meet and to keep their lifestyle, she starts selling weed. And, then, <laughs> you know, um, as she's selling weed in this community, things get out of hand. There's a lot of good characters. Uh, Kevin Nealon from uh, Saturday Night Live was, played a good part. Uh, Doug Wilson is like her her pothead accountant who's always kind of like getting her into trouble and getting her out of trouble at the same time. Um, and it, what's kind of nice is uh, towards the end of this show, um, unlike a lot of shows that either kind of ends abruptly or just ends with a little story, they actually go like, I think it's something like 15, 20 years into the future to see where they're at and what they did with their lives. So it was kind of a cool, cool little twist. So that was, that was a really good show. Um, definitely suggest checking that out if you haven't seen it yet. That was my number five. Cool. My number five. Um, my my list is going to be, I think, greatly different than yours. Um, yep. And spoiler alert, for those that are perceptive, I've been, throughout the show, been playing songs that were kind of giving clues to what my top five is going to be. Um, I haven't played a song for this episode yet, but my number five, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Spun off from the movie somewhat. Uh, some of the same themes, the same character, they they allude to the movie a little bit in the show. But I just loved the show because it was a great cast, a great core cast. Sarah Michelle Gellar kind of leading the helm. But Allison Hannigan was also a breakout star mm-hmm. from that. We were talking yep. about Lost. She's gone on to do some amazing things. But I just, I loved the characterization. J- uh, Joss Whedon, who you know directed mm-hmm. the, the first uh, two Avengers movies, He's really, really good at dialogue. He's very good at characterization. He's very good at making... He, he basically creates his own world, kind of like a... Not not on the scope of a, like a Tolkien or, or a um, uh, George R.R. type mm-hmm. of thing, but, um, you know, he basically creates... He created Buffyisms. Like, she would say certain things that are still used um, in pop culture today. I still... Yep. People still ask me how I'm doing. I'll say, oh, five by five, which is from Faith from Buffy. Uh, it has been continued on in comic book form, mm-hmm. so it's really, really cool. We did it was last week, yeah. but um, 
I think that they could have continued to go on with those storylines on TV. I think Sarah Michelle Gellar just felt it was a good time to end it, and that's why the show ended. But it was just the humor, and it was very snarky and kind of um, deadpan at times, mm-hmm. but also, you know, sarcastic at the same time. And uh, I think it kind of like reimagined the genre of the vampire genre because we had like you know um, interview it was interview with the vampire and mm-hmm. things along that nature it was always. Yeah, it was big serious. at that time. And, and they, 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 they brought out a lot more of demon lore and all mm-hmm. kinds of other things, like supernatural, into like this pop culture type of thing and made it fun. And I think it was just a, it's a really, just a really good show. Wait, what year did that show come on the air? I want to say 98, 97, 98. Oh, Maybe even earlier. Yeah, I think it ended in like 2003 or four or something. So like it had a decent run for yeah, it was it went uh, five it, six seasons. I think it went seven seasons, seven. if I'm not mistaken. Maybe maybe six. I can't remember now. And six I'm, or seven seasons is a good run for a show. Yeah, and it, but it, it it ended strong, you know. Yeah. But it's still like I wanted to see more from the characters. I want to see how con- they'd continue yeah. to grow. But that's my number five, uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. My number five. <laughs> And and people will remember this one. You said um, even if we're on not, four. Sorry, four. We're on <laughs> four, KB. <laughs> See, he, he, we do we do have a lot going on in our lives. He he got my time machine and he he yeah. went back forty five yeah, seconds. Anyway, yeah. Um, my number four is uh, the Sopranos. So Sopranos was an awesome show. I remember when the Sopranos was on on HBO, and it was like one of those first really big shows that like just blew up and took over like TV and, and everybody's watching. Um, that show to me the, the just the whole Italian mafia thing and it wasn't done from the perspective of like real life mafiosos like you were seeing in a lot of the mob movies at that time like Goodfellas, Henry Hill uh, you know I think there's even some truths in The Godfather and some of these other movies um, this movie was like fictional but it was more modern and, and real to what goes on you know in, in the Jersey Mafia um, and just the the character play uh, Gandolfini uh, as Tony Soprano and um uh, Lorraine Bracco as uh, Dr. Melfi, like those conversations that they had were just some, it was just great acting, great story, um, just great things to, to, to just grab onto. Gandolfini, this rough gangster is so soft inside, but at the same time also just brutal and just seeing his character. Um, and I remember Gam- Gandolfini was um, basically saying that like one of the things with that show is that, you know, people would actually, it's one of those characters that's so well known, Tony Soprano, that people would, you know, think he's like real, really Tony Soprano, a real mob, a real mob guy, and you know, and that obviously wasn't the case. Um, and a lot of my favorite actors uh, came out of this show: uh, Michael Imperoli, who's been in a ton of things, Goodfellas, a number of things. Uh, Tony Cicero, uh, Tony Cicero has been in some things. Most recently, I, I think Family Guy when he was uh, the dog Vinny for a couple episodes. And then um, Dre Di Matteo is uh, one of my favorite actresses. I really like her. She's in another one of my shows on my countdown. Um, so it was a really good show. It was great up until like the the sixth season, and they started kind kind of started to fade away and fall apart a little bit. Um, but the big complaint was the way that show ended, how it just faded to black, and that's the reason why it's not higher on my countdown because it just it just didn't make any sense. Um, and the the complaints about that were just just through the roof. So um, yep, but still still a great show, still one of my all time favorites. It brings me back to a lot of memories of just watching that show and in that time frame. Um, so yeah, so that's my number four. My number four uh, kind of reinvented what comedy shows were. Um, when it first premiered, people were still in the whole, you know, NBC, uh, must-see TV Thursdays, Friends, and, and that whole thing where it had, like, audiences and mm-hmm. laugh tracks. This show kind of took out of that and relied, took, took like, reinvented the genre in the sense that it took away the audience, it took away the laugh track, and it just 
it led to the writing, just you understanding how funny mm-hmm. and awkward it was. It was actually a spinoff from a UK series from Ricky Gervais. Uh, so my number four is The Office. I mean, who doesn't love Steve Carell as Michael Gary Scott? Super awkward. It did the talking heads camera thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I quote, like, I can actually give you a quote. Like, every day in my life I'm quoting something from The Office or some type of video that I'm pulling up. Uh, and I just I just loved the the core cast of characters interacted so well. You know, the, the pranks between Jim and Dwight, just the buffoonishness of Steve Carell's Michael Scott mm-hmm. um, to even some of the ancillary characters like Toby Flenderson or uh, BJ Novak's uh, Ryan or, or um, you know Kelly played by uh, Mindy Kaling just they, they're so funny and they're so like they're characters caricatures of like tropes of people like Kelly is the airhead Meredith is the drunk and it's just like it's so crazy and then of course uh the standout character to me and i don't know if you're too familiar with the office creed bratton probably the greatest character ancillary character on mm-hmm. the on the office just he wasn't one of the main guys but everything he was in every like scene that he was in whatever he said was just like so peculiar you were like what the hell is this dude talking about and it was so amazing so that's that's my number four um do you have something to say i was to say that's one of those shows where almost every situation in life you can find a quote from that show to fill it, right. like Family Guys, like that, like right. And kind of and thing. and you know, a lot of people think that the show kind of fell off when Steve Carell left, and they started doing something different. And spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it, but it's been over for a while, they made um, Andy Bernard, uh, played by Ed Helms, the new boss. So you know, he was getting popular because yep. of the Hangover movies and whatnot. And instead of just letting him be his own character and use that same characterization, they tried to make him a ripoff of Michael Scott, like same type of characteristics, and it just didn't work. And I think if they would have like kept it honest like it was the first two or three episodes where he was made the boss, it would have been a total different thing. But then obviously, eventually, he wanted to leave to do more movies, so then they were kind of in a hole in a rut. But the ending was a really, really good ending, Uh, even though, uh, in my opinion, some of the later seasons were a little weaker than the first, like, seasons two three and four and everything after that kind of felt eh to me um i think the the season finale series finale kind of wrapped everything else up pretty nicely and it was kind of a cool send-off so that's my number four on to number three my number three is a show that was very popular but oddly i feel like it's a show a lot of people either just forget about or they don't know um i don't know if the air a couple years ago was uh falling skies on tnt I've never even heard of that. Falling Skies was an amazing show. And again, so a lot of people that watch, you know, late night TV actually missed this show. It went way under the radar. It was so awesome. So basically it's about aliens taking over Earth. Um, it has, I would say this, if The Walking Dead is too much for you, because for some people, The Walking Dead, the zombie thing, it's kind of too much for them. This show is like an alternative because it has like the same vibe of these aliens are taking over the world and it is a band of people who are in uh, the 52nd mass, but it, you know, the, the war is so bad that eventually it's civilians joining, you know, this group as they find people and stuff. And it's the same thing there in a sense of like, they're always on the move, trying to find cover, avoiding being detected. Um, and the show gets really, really good as they end up starting to work with the aliens. And we come to find out that there's like two different races of aliens. Um, so they're working with one race to defeat another and uh, Noah Weil, he, he he basically did all the work on this show. Um, I think he I think he created it and produced it. He, he's done a few things with the show, um, but he was the star as well. Oh it, no no okay so Noah Noah Wiley was the yep, star. Noah Wiley yep so he was the star. 
Um, so it was just a really good show and definitely, definitely check it out. It just was one of those shows where he has, um, he, his, his name is Tom Mason and he's like a, he's basically like a history teacher and he's the one who ends up basically at some point and, you know, I'm giving away little spoilers here, but, um, he becomes like president of the United States because that's how bad everything is. And then it's like his boys, he has three sons and his sons, one of them ends up, uh, becoming like alien he gets some alien dna in him like it goes really really out there where people like the aliens are transforming people into aliens to be like slaves and stuff like that it's just really really good there's a lot of great stories um great character development definitely definitely um chicks that kick ass there's a couple of them um it's just one of those things like like i said the show just went way under the radar and if you haven't seen it like just give it a chance just watch like an episode or two and you'll probably be hooked so that's my uh, that's my number three. My number three is uh, another comedy, which kind of if The Office was more awkward comedy, this comedy was more meta. It was more like you have to know pop culture and, and whatnot, and they're just poking fun at other comedies, other movies, other TV shows, other tropes and situations, and they just go on one level higher than that. Um, and my number three pick is Community. Um, I, you know, I'd never seen that show. Community is such a great show. The what first network was it on? Uh, NBC. Uh, it lasted on NBC for a couple of seasons. Uh, there was a hashtag for a while that there was a, there was a. In, so again, the, how meta it was. One character, Abed, really liked this TV show called The Cape. It was a superhero TV show, and The Cape was kind of like a um, an allusion to Community itself, mm-hmm. like an example of because people were like, "Oh, well, the ratings aren't great, but it's really good," and you know, it's surviving by the skin of its teeth. And then uh, one of the other characters, played by Joel McHale, Jeff Winger, is the character name. He goes. That show's never going to last. And Abed, uh, Danny Pudi's character, goes six seasons in a movie. So then that kind of became the mantra of Community, even though it wasn't getting the ratings of saying six seasons in a movie. They made it six seasons. Uh, They made it five seasons. I want to say four to five seasons. No, they did four seasons on NBC. One uh, season five was on Hulu. And then season six was on Yahoo Screen. (laughs) And now Dan Harmon, the creator, is thinking about doing a movie, but only if he can get the entire cast together. But it led to, I actually played the intro to Troy and Abed mm-hmm. doing the uh, Spanish rap at the beginning. Oh, with, that was from. With okay. the, um, and then they did the, the intro to the actual TV show. And it's so good. So to give a quick synopsis, it's about this one guy, Jeff Winger, played by Joel McHale, wants to hook up with, uh, he basically is a lawyer, gets disbarred because they find out that his degree is actually fraudulent so he goes to a community college to get his law degree to go to go back to being a lawyer he meets he's trying to hook up with every chick he sees for the most part finds this really uh cute blonde who's in a spanish study group a spanish group or spanish class rather and to try to bed her he says oh i'm, I'm great at spanish i'm actually having a study group so she he's thinking she's going to be the only one there she brings other people from the class they form their little study group their community and it's just they as the season progresses, it gets so funny. There's there's one, and to give you an idea of like the meta uh, humor in this, season one, they make mention of uh, one of the girls, that the girl that Joel McHale's character, Jeff Winger, has a crush on. Her name is Britta. He starts dating a teacher instead. She refers to Britta in season one as Beetlejuice. Mm. Season two, they're throwing a, uh, they do, they're doing a, Something happens where they're all mad at each other and they have to just to prove that they're not stealing anything. They have to strip down to their underwear. And Britta's like, oh, I, you have leopard print. Usually you wear your Beetlejuice underwear. <laughs> That's season two. Season three, they're throwing a Halloween party. 
and another character's like, Britta, all you have for music is NPR and a Beetlejuice album. And when she says <laughs> Beetlejuice for the third time in the third season, a guy dressed up like Beetlejuice <laughs> walks by in the background. And they set, <laughs> spent three seasons setting that up for that one stupid joke. Yeah. And it's just like, that's how I... Like, and you oddly appreciate that. I love that stuff. <laughs> I think it's so smart. Um, but it's a very good show. Uh, and the cool thing is they don't make all the characters likable. Uh, they have Pierce Hawthorne, who's mm-hmm. the biggest jerk. He's the biggest jerk, and he's played by Chevy Chase, and he does such a good job mm-hmm. at it playing this like rich, like racist jerk, and he's just awesome. Um, so I highly recommend that. If you haven't seen that, I don't know if it's on Netflix, but you should be able to find Community yeah. somewhere. It's a great show. It's a great show. So that's my number three. Number dos. Or two. Two. Um, so my number two, in I, 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 people that know me, know how hooked I was on this show. Um, this is one of those shows that um, I watched religiously, you know, not even DV, not even DVRing it, like literally, you know, because I'm a DVR guy for the most part. So, but this is one of those shows I would tune in for. Um, and that was Sons of Anarchy. Um, Sons of Anarchy is, is one of those shows that it just went above and beyond anything that we were seeing on network TV, I think, at that time. Um, as far as the... Uh, how in depth all these characters are in the story and the violence and, and everything that we were seeing on on this show was just it was just so fantastic and some really 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 good actors you had um Ron Perlman on there um you had uh Katie Segal Katie Segal basically reinvented herself on this show I mean when we think of Katie Segal we think of Peggy Bundy you know her role as Gemma Teller is is just uh, it's it's amazing you, you know she shedded that whole. Like I was talking about with Gandolfini, everybody thinking, "Oh, you're Tony Soprano." She shedded the whole Peggy Bundy thing with that with that role. Um, Charlie Hunnam is Jax Teller, really, really phenomenal. The ladies love him. Oh yeah, the lady, I, they were so disappointed when he wasn't. Uh, he was supposed to be in Fifty Shades. He was going to play the, the yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know the dude's name, I don't but. Know, but but yeah. So when he backed out, um, I guess. Oh, Christian Grey. How can I forget yeah. that Fifty Shades of Grey? He was supposed to be Christian Grey. Yeah, we know how much you love that movie. Um, love it. <laughs> Nostalgia. Um, Dre D. Mateo, who I talked about in The Sopranos, another great actress. I, I met her at Comic Con, and she was saying how awesome that it was just doing that show, and that um, her character was interesting. How they were going to um, actually write her off, but they ended up liking just the job that she did with the character so much that they brought the character back that she played. Um, so it's just a fantastic, fantastic show with lots of great characters. Um, I, I can't even go into specifics. It's kind of like a modern day Hamlet on steroids. Where every it's so intertwined, like everything's so intertwined, um, and, and just uh, so many episodes where you're just sitting there in awe of like what just happened, or they, they tap into some real emotions with some of these uh, killings and cheatings and, and and all this stuff. So definitely, definitely check it out if you haven't. Um, great, great show, and uh, I just love that one. You know, so uh, that was my number two. Okay, so for my number two and actually my number one, they're both spinoffs of things already previously on my list. Okay. So my number two pick, we've already talked about comedy such as Community and The Office, but one of the characters from The Office was actually mm-hmm. one of the writers too. His name is Michael Schur. He played a, an ancillary character, a, a tertiary character, like a supporting character mm-hmm. called Mose, who was Dwight Schrute's like redneck kind of like uh, inbred cousin type of thing working on a farm. He left the show, The Office, and he co-created this this show, which is my number two, with Greg Daniels. Yeah. Now, does Greg Daniels ring a bell to you, KB? Because he's got some notable work, such as King of the Hill, okay. Saturday Night Live, The Simpsons, The Office, 
And my number two pick, Parks and Recreation. Parks and Recreation is my favorite comedy of all time. It's like my favorite TV show. I laugh at every single episode. I talked about The Office having a great core cast and community having a, a great cast and they play off each other so well. Parks and Rec takes that and then goes to the next level. Um, Amy Poehler plays Leslie Nope. Mm-hmm. She's a government official. She works at the Parks Department of the local government. Her boss is anti-government working for the Parks Department <laughs> for the state or for the town. Ron Swanson played by Nick Offerman who is the greatest television character ever created. Okay. Aubrey Plaza is in it. Who she's she's doing movies now too, but she plays this um, kind of like this, not an emo, but kind of just like I hate everything. Mm-hmm. I'm so angsty, and and she plays this intern. Then they bring in Rashida Jones, who plays Anne. She came over from The Office to do this show. Now she's doing Angie Tribeca with Steve Carell and his wife Nancy. Who else is in this? Glad you asked. How about our buddy Star Lord? Really? Yeah, yeah. Um, he plays Andy, Andy, uh, oh my God, I'm going to forget this now. Andy Dwyer. That's right, in our Andy Don't Dwyer. Tune Out episode, didn't you talk about that? Yeah, I did. So awesome. Like, he yeah. he is my favorite character. Aziz Ansari, great comedian, and he plays Tom Haverford, who's, again, his character is just obsessed with pop culture and technology, and everybody gels so well, and then in later seasons, uh, they bring in two other characters, and they bring in Chris Traeger and Ben Wyatt, and... The, the cast just gels so well. The jokes are hilarious. There's a lot of uh, improvisational jokes. There's a lot of just, just great, smart humor. So I love that show. Mm-hmm. I highly recommend you check out Parks and Recreation. Um, I believe that's on Netflix right now. But that's my number two, Parks and Rec. I believe it ran for six seasons. Cool, cool. On to number one. One, one, one. Um, so my number one is uh, a show that was on god was it the early 2000s uh rescue me and rescue me um if you're not familiar with the main character um is uh dennis larry uh played basically uh tommy and uh tommy is a balls to the wall firefighter who has gone through what was interesting is you know this hap this show was out you know after 9-11 and it was talking about post 9-11 and what the firefighters in New York were dealing with in post 9-11. And Dennis Leary was like the perfect guy to play this this part um, because he, he shows so much emotion. He can play the drunk. He can play uh, the good father. He's, he's, a, he's a great stand-up comedian if you haven't heard his stand-up. Um, and he just brings so much emotion to this part that he played. And uh, Tommy Gavin is probably the most badass dude. Like if, 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 if I had to have one person's like balls so to speak <laughs> to be as ballsy as Tom gotcha as, I, I thought you meant you no know. no uh, Tommy Gavin would be the man he, here's a guy who just like jumps into you know buildings could be ablaze and he jumps in saving kids he, he anything to save a life is what he does but at the same time he's battling with all of his post 9-11 you know uh stress from losing his cousin his his, his brother's uh, losing his wife now because of that stress and turning to drinking, and it really showed this like this great picture of what some of the emotion that some of these people were probably dealing with, and how it carries on, and how it just doesn't just impact it didn't just impact them, it impacted the people around them. Um, and the comedy is great, like the comedy is fantastic because so you have like this drama with this comedy, with a lot of action and suspense from the firefighting. Uh, the characters gel off each other. I'm not going to go into all the characters because there's tons of them. Um, 
but it's just all really good. It's very, um, there's a lot of sex going on. Like it's just a very, very active show. It keeps you on your feet, keeps you on your toes. You're constantly just can't take your eyes off it. And that was a show I, I, I couldn't even DVR back then because we didn't really have it. I had to tune in every, every show and watch. Um, and that show got rave reviews. It was just, it was just absolutely fantastic. And, uh, Lenny Clark, I don't know if you know who Lenny Clark is. He's, he's a famous, well, probably like a, not a, a comedian, but you know, probably a B-list comedian, but he's really, really funny. Um, I know him and Larry were at a Sox game a few years back and they were just, they were just having fun at a Sox game in, in the, um, in the booth. That's the Red Sox folks. Yes. Yes, I, I forget that you know we have fans all over the place. You, you said that we have people outside the U.S. That I know, listen to us, so I know. We gotta specify. I gotta specify that. So yes, yeah, so that's the Boston Red Sox game. So he was um, doing comedy like just live, kind of in the booth, just you know uh, talking, talking, talking shit, and uh, you know just putting on a show. Uh, he's also a good writer too. So he, he if you haven't um, checked out his book, he has a, a book um, Why We Suck, <laughs> which is <laughs> I've, I've read that book. Yeah. It's actually really good. It is really good. Um, so he's, he's a really smart dude and he just created, you know, this great show and, um, it was fitting. The show ends where it starts, um, in a way. So it like, it starts with him talking to rookies coming in and what they, you know, what they expect out of them and all those realities. And it kind of ends on a similar note, which was kind of cool. You know, a show ends on this, starts on this note and ends with that same emotion, that same power that you felt at the beginning. So definitely, definitely check it out. Definitely one of my favorite shows. So that's, uh, that's my number one. Okay, my number one is related to my number five. So my number five was Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So throughout Buffy, uh, it kind of the there's been um, parallels to Buffy about this is what it's like to be like grow into adulthood in your your teenage years and becoming who you're going to be and and, and where you're and growing up. This spinoff was more like. It draws parallels now to, okay, now that you've grown up, now you're dealing with the real world and it's dark and it's it can be kind of crappy and awful and stupid. And the character that's spun off from that is the titular character, Angel. So Angel is a show basically in the Buffy series. Mm-hmm. She falls in love with a vampire. In the Buffy universe, vampires are soulless demons who have to kill and they feed off humans. Angel, known as Angelus at the time, killed the wrong person and basically she was one of a she was a crew part of a crew of uh, gypsies and they cursed him by restoring his human soul into his body so now he's a vampire with a soul so not only does he need to feed off humans and need to drink blood but he can't because he has that guilt of killing Mm -hmm. innocent people so he kind of re um redesigns himself and he wants to start helping the helpless so after he kind of breaks off ties with Buffy he moves to Los Angeles and he starts his own investigation firm called Angel Investigations and end up some other characters from Buffy spin off into that and some other characters they introduce some new characters one of the characters you would probably know KB uh, is a gentleman by the name of Charles Gunn Uh, he is played and I can't think of the actor's name off the top of my head right now but he plays in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. he plays Deathlock Okay. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Okay. He played yep. Charles Gunn. Um, so it's a really, really good series. It does a lot with the supernatural. And the reason it's number one on my list is because the show ended on such a cliffhanger that even though it's continued in comic book form, mm-hmm. I would have loved to see what they would have done with ongoing seasons. I guess what happened was as they were going through season uh, five, they wanted an early renewal from the WB mm-hmm. at the time, which is now the CW. 
the WB said, we can't guarantee you that. And then they ended up canceling the show. So when they wrapped at season five, they had to wrap up the show without going to season six. It, it continued as season six, as we mentioned in last week's episode, mm-hmm. in comic book form. But I would have loved to see what they would have done. So spoiler alert if you haven't seen it. But what happens is Angel and his team discover that they find the people that are responsible, this, this whole underground Illuminati crew that are responsible for bringing about the next apocalypse into the world, and they decide to take them out in wealth, uh, one fell swoop to avert the apocalypse, the next, the next apocalypse coming to the world. So as they do that, the other, other people in charge, the ones that are essentially organizing these, decide to strike back, and they send Los Angeles to a hell dimension. And that's where the series ends. Mm. So so yeah so they didn't know the series was finishing. They, they, so no, they, they did. Well, they they did. did, but they ended it in such a, like a um, an open ended way. Basically, yeah. it shows like there's a dragon flying around, and they're like, "What are we gonna do, Angel?" And yeah. he goes, "Well, uh, more specifically, or he goes oh, personally. He goes personally. I'd like to kill the dragon. Let's get to work." And he marches forward, and then the titles go. That, up. Yep that that um, that happened with another show that wasn't on very long, but Revolution. Yep. Where season two, they knew a few episodes before, and then they were like, okay, well, they left it open-ended, where if they wanted to bring it back, they could. But as as I mentioned earlier with Buffy, Joss Whedon does such great work with characterization. Yeah. My favorite character in all of television history is a gentleman by the name of Wesley Wyndham Price. He starts off on Buffy mm-hmm. as basically um, what they call a watcher. He's supposed to be supplying her with knowledge and, and training her mm-hmm. to fight like demons and vampires and whatnot. And he's a replacement for her original watcher who gets fired. But uh, he's super like stuffy and super nerdy and super like just he's he's a tool. He's a total tool. He ends up coming over to Angel a little bit later and he's still kind of a tool, but he's growing into becoming a leader and he just wants to help people. And he Mm -hmm. realizes like he was kicked out of the watchers council. So he's no longer employed by them either. And he's you know, now he's just trying to do good. And they, they make like little illusions that his father is a total jerk to him and he's always like browbeating him and killing his self-esteem and just to see the characterization from him to go to this nerdy tool to like this leader who's trying he's trying to do all this good and he's still failing but he wants to do good and then spoiler alert his whole world is taken away he tries to do good and he ends up making a mistake and he pays for it and then it just turns him so cold that he becomes almost like a punisher type of character like I don't give a crap about you anymore then he finally, the, the, he's had this unrequited love for a while, and then she finally starts falling for him too. With, with this Buffy. girl, uh, not with Buffy. It's, okay. uh, it's a character by the name of Winifred Burkle. She's uh, been on a couple other things too, but she's an, uh, Amy Acker, amazing actor. She's on Person of Interest mm-hmm. now too. Falls in love with her. As soon as they start, like, start dating, she's taken from him and she's killed. So then he goes from tool to reluctant leader to kind of a nerdy but trying to do the right thing paying for doing the the, the right thing mm-hmm. or in his mind the right thing becomes kind of cold starts coming back that's taken away from him and then he's just a little bit crazy afterwards yeah. and his his whole arc is just I think it's like probably the most complete character arc of any character you'll see on a TV show just to see like the the gamut of emotions this poor guy goes through but I think it's just so well done and he's such a tragic character and it's just I, I find that it's like it's a very emotional but yet dark like it's a very dark show like it deals with a lot of like just angst and just like bad feelings and one of my favorite quotes is from angel um there's a there's i think it's season four and he goes nothing in the world is the way it ought to be it's dark and cruel 
but that's why there's us. We live as though the world ought to be to show it what it can be. And it's just like there's so many like things like that that like, okay, we're living in a dark world, but we can try to make a difference. And I think that's kind of apropos for everything that's going <laughs> on today. But, yeah, the world can suck, but guess what? We're, we're going to try to live as best we can to show the world that there is good in it. And it's just mm. it's such a good message, but it's such a dark show too. It's so good. So, anyway, that's my number one. Uh, I talked – ad nauseum on that show but check it out i believe that's on netflix and if you watch buffy and angel back to back you get some good crossover yeah a lot of, a lot of our shows that we mentioned are, are on netflix um i i just thinking off the top of my head mine i know californication sons of anarchy i think rescue me is off there but i know they rotate them so well i think i think buffy angel the office and parks and rec the only one i'm not sure is community but all of those shows are worth checking out depending on what you're into um so now i guess we're going to wrap up uh KB, anything to, to plug? We have our Twitter, no, Free no. Your Geek on check, Twitter. Check out Covers of the Week on Facebook. KB keeps throwing up these awesome Covers of the Week on the Facebook page. We're going to start tweeting them out too, tweeting yep. the link. So check that out. Hit us up there. Hit us up at Geek. Share these episodes. Share the, the links on Facebook. Share the links on Twitter. Just try to get us out there more. Um, we're going to be doing some really cool things. We've got some guests upcoming. We're going to talk about that. Maybe we'll talk about that next show. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's a lot going on. So we're going to leave you. I'm going to play two songs for you going out, and then uh, we'll go from there. So the first is going to be another one from Parks and Rec. Uh, Chris Pratt, who plays Andy Dwyer, is singing about falling into a pit, which is introduces his character to the show. And then we're going to play a little something from one of the greatest Buffy episodes ever, Once More with Feelings. So ladies and gentlemen, KB, I know you want to throw the, the catchphrase out there, <laughs> so go ahead. Start your weekend with your geek friends that was great get your geek on folks have a great day
secrets you've been concealing Say you're happy now Once more with feeling Now I gotta run See you all In hell